Hello, my name's Toby Haydock and this is Happy Times and Places, a positively inclined Doctor Who episode commentary podcast in which a special guest has chosen a story and secretly picks their favourite things about it, and I have to watch, commentate along, and see if I can guess what those favourite things are. Hello, I'm Gavin Rymill, and I'm a writer and 3D illustrator for all kinds of things, including Doctor Who magazine and the Blu-ray range, and I uh, spent most of 2020 illustrating the Dalek Combat Manual. Um, thank you, Toby, for inviting me into this project. It's very exciting to be here. And uh, the story that I am nominating for you is Silver Nemesis, which is uh, not well loved. Um, in 2014, Doctor Who magazine readers voted it 206th out of 241 Doctor Who serials. And in the context of that list, that makes it the worst Cyberman story, apparently, uh, which is uh, saying something. So why have I chosen this? Well, I first saw this when I was nine years old, and uh, I have seen it since. Uh, well, I've seen it uh, three times in the last 10 days. When I do watch it, I still remember how exciting it was to see when I was nine years old. So that is your mission. Should you choose to accept it, you have accepted it, we're, we're doing this. Um, go and watch Silver Nemesis with the unjaded eyes of a nine-year-old seeing his first broadcast Cyberman story. Good luck. Well, hello everybody and thank you to Gav, who is a very nice fellow and always good company and I enjoy his dry sense of humour and his superb work that he's done on the history of the Dalek props, uh, which you can find online on his website and in his podcast, but I'm sure there'll be time to plug both of those things. But he's a scholar of all things Dalek, although um, if you're only availing yourself of the audio version of this, which frankly might well be all that's possible because if I do do a video of this it will be out some time after the audio just because the audios are quicker and more digested. Um, Gav was sitting in I'm assuming his home um, surrounded by plants through which cyber heads were sticking out so he likes his props and his monsters. This is a podcast of props and monsters um, and he set me the task of watching as you heard, Silver Nemesis, officially the worst Cyberman story, he said. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. Because, of course, it's a, it's the 25th anniversary story. As, we, as I record this, I've not long since done The Five Doctors. In the space of five years, Doctor Who's anniversaries had gone from... the Not that you'd want a multi-Doctor special again... Um, you know, so, yes, well done for trying something different. But 25 years, the show was in a very different state and uh, had a very different perception, uh, as far as I could tell, um, between season 20, well, the five Doctors, anyway, and season 25. And certainly, while Gavin was watching through the eyes of a, an excited nine-year-old, I was watching through the eyes of a sort of jaded and angry 14-year-old. <laughs> but as time has gone on, uh, I mean, I was jaded and angry about Doctor Who in this period, really. But as time has gone on, I've come to love much of it. Um, in fact, 
I'll be honest, the only story in season 25 that I have struggled to enjoy in recent years is podcast listeners, this one. So, cards on the table. This might be tricky for me. So let's see if I can enjoy and celebrate. It was um, it was trailed by there was a there was a tra- curious trailer that had a clip from the Web Planet on it for Ian going the Doctor's not getting through to them um, to sort of say yay Doctor Who's twenty five years and this is the story. Um, I'm sure that's on the uh, DVD. Anyway, let us watch how Doctor Who celebrated. In 1988, it's Silver Anniversary. I'm going to press play in three, two, one. (laughs) Yes, what a countdown, eh? There we go. So it's playing, it's playing this very, very long title sequence. So I could have, I could have actually just said everything I've told you <laughs> in the time it takes for this title sequence to uh, sort of go on. Anyway, I still like the tiredness in the bubble. Now forgive me for being tired. I have very recently run ten kilometres, and I'm stopped banging about that on about that on the internet. I'm trying to raise money for a good cause. But anyway, um, so here we are. The the pain of running a ten k. Surely that will be put into perspective by the joy of watching Silver Nemesis, the only Doctor Who story by Kevin Clark. Oh, hello to new patron Kevin Clark, by the way, who put, no, not that one. <laughs> uh, he's obviously been listening because I've already got a Stephen Moffat and uh, a Robert Jewell. Uh, anyway, we're in South America, uh, which I which I like. I, I like this I actually like this opening. Um, you know, the ride of the Valkyries um, says you're you're amongst the Nazis. But but actually, as a beginning, if you don't know that the rest of this story, which is set in November in the UK and is really sunny, this because it's filmed in the bright sunshine of the English summer that it was filmed in, uh, this passes quite nicely for South America. Um, and, and we established that Herr de Flores is nasty because he's decided to shoot a parrot. I mean, and, and I'd actually forgotten because, of course, this ties in with Lady Painfort, who is also shooting a bow and arrow. But I'd, I'd forgot that. I think, what? They decided to show his baddie by just going, what have we got available? We can get a parrot and we can get a bow and arrow. Well, let's have him do that. But, of course, it's this story is all about bows and arrows, presumably the Cybermen are doing archery practice somewhere and the Doctor and Ace are drinking Strongbow in the pub that they're watching Courtney Pine in. I don't know, the pub garden. Um, it, there wasn't For all the publicity that John Nathan Turner was very good at doing, there was no publicity at all um, around the fact that this funny old man um, doing the gubbins for Richard and Lady Painfoot is played by Leslie French, who was one of the more famous of the uh, nearly doctors because it was mentioned in quite a lot of sort of literature around, particularly all a lot of stuff that came around out of the the 20th anniversary. It was, you know, other people considered for 
the, the role when William Hartnell was cast were Cyril Cusack and Leslie French. They were the two main ones. And then there were other articles and bits and bobs that came later that also mentioned uh, those guys and others. But, but Cusack and French were the sort of main headline almost doctors. So uh, I, I was quite surprised to see his name in the Radio Times and go, that's brilliant casting. But they, this, that, this is not, and it was not flagged up really anywhere at all. Um, and he was—he's he, also the model for um, Ariel, isn't he? Uh, uh, no, Eros, Ariel outside um, uh, Broadcasting House, um, the Fourth Reich. Uh, uh, I remember on the the trailer, I could—I couldn't quite make out what he was saying. Is it, is it the Force Light? What? The, and and it, and it took me a few goes, and then I again, it was like when I was doing something else and thinking of something else. This happened to me recently when I'd, you know, your mind's on something else and then suddenly something you've been pondering over for ages just pops into your head and, and gives you the right answer. It's like, oh, the Fourth Reich, of course. Um, I mean, I think Nazis are a, a great choice of villain. I, I, they, they feel quite sort of grown up for Doctor Who because obviously they're villains from, you know, fairly recent history i know there are nazis now but you know what i mean these are you know world war ii nazis that are that are in films for grown-ups and and obviously part of a you know a recent history that was tangible and not the awful and horrible um i, I like the way leslie french says the uh the orbit is decaying but of course that, that's actually a scientific term an orbit decays but he's, he's saying it like it's really sad and I've got a feeling there's an interview with somebody. Is it Andrew Cartman or Chris Clough who, who sort of points out that it, it's it's wrong? But I can't remember their conclusion of going, that should have been changed. Maybe it's Andrew. Um, or, or or if it's Chris Clough who said, but I, I kept it because I liked it. I can't remember. But I know somebody has, has noticed that. But I can't, I can't remember who for the life of me. It'll pop into my head when I'm thinking of something else. Courtney Pine. So this was this is quite big news. Um that you had somebody who's, I mean, you know, jazz music is has its own following and it's it's nice. Uh, and you know, Doctor Who is not is not particularly cool. Um, uh, certainly not at this time. No, Doctor Who is not cool. Um, uh, but but you know, this this felt quite nice because Courtney Pine was, you know, Courtney Pine was all over the place um, uh, at, at this time. Um, and I I like the Doctor liking jazz. I'm not a muso at all. I don't know anything about music. I but I I appreciate it and I admire it. But I've got I've got fairly eclectic tastes. Um, there's something I quite like about the Daily Mirror being a Doctor. I don't know. It's not my newspaper, but um, do I have? I like. Oh, I like the idea that I've got a newspaper. I don't. I sort of read everything, but um, I don't take the Mirror. Um, uh, but yes, isn't this a shame that this is supposed to be November and it's really sunny? Um, uh, and she's got, oh, is it a, it's a tape. It's a cassette. Uh, oh, I like the way he clicks his fingers. Yeah, I like, I like, yes. Courtney Pine has a lovely vibe about him. Um, and yeah, I think the idea of doing a sort of jazz soundtrack Doctor Who is lovely. Uh, Gun with a silencer, that always feels quite cool as well. I don't know why. <laughs> a method of killing is cool um um yeah so i think the the, the idea is here because it, it looks like they've been shot um and the, and these twins are dave and johnny ould who were 
I mean, they they were genuine. Uh, J- Johnny, I think, has died. Dave is still around. But they've both done. They're uncredited on this. They're non-speaking extras. But they've both. Dave, I think, is in the Long Good Friday. John is in. Is it Gangster Number One? They've they've been in a few movies. Each of them, um, uh, and uh, you know, in speaking parts. Um, and and uh, and you know, genuine. I think they hung around with the the craze, but they're certainly sort of part of that that sort of London scene. Um, uh, you know, and, and wouldn't be out of place in any any film. You know, with with the likes of Alan Ford or Frank Harper, any of those guys, or um, you know, the the sort of the, the yeah the Cockney hard man type type films. But I think they were, I think they were the genuine article as well. And there they are as 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 uh, extras in Silver Nemesis. I enjoy Leslie French's performance. I feel sad that they kill him. Um and obviously Lady Painfort is is you know horrible and nasty, but as we learn Richard is is rather sweet. So I'm I'm sad that um to be reminded because I know at the end of this story, you know, we love Richard. So I'm sad to be reminded that at the beginning he's perfectly happy to uh, be involved in the murder of a man who in a alternative universe would have played Doctor Who. Um, he is also in um, the singing detective Leslie French. So he was acting, you know, well into his, well into old age. Um, um, so, yes, yeah, so I, I know people have not liked the bit where the Doctor and Ace fall into the river because they go, hang on, weren't they shot? But I think it's quite clear. You see the bullet sort of bounce near them and they've obviously had the presence of mind to go, let's pretend we've been killed and jump into the river. Um, now, is is a lot of this story based on the fact that the Doctor set himself a warning and he can't remember what for? Which, which I suppose, I mean, I suppose if you travel around a lot, you that, that might be a thing. Um... Uh, Fiona Walker here as Lady Painfort uh, is interesting casting because she was Carla, the first Doctor Who villainess. I mean, it's stretching it a bit because she's only in a couple of episodes, but in um, in the Keys of Marinus. So it's quite nice that she turned up for the 25th. And I think they could have squeezed her in somewhere in the 50th. If I'd been showrunner, I would have done. But perhaps that's why I'm not showrunner. <laughs> um um, I've met Fiona I met her at the 50th at the Expo I think I might even have interviewed her on stage she had a skirt on backwards I can't remember why um, I think she just noticed I went oh well never mind um, she's really nice and she's written, she wrote me a letter once as well um, she's very nice and uh, happy to be associated with Doctor Who married to the late Herbert Wise who directed I Claudius and is therefore the mother of the actress Susanna Wise um and she pops up in a lot of Herbie Wise's stuff. I saw her in The Woman in Black the other day. She's had a very, very good career, although when I talked to her, she just, I think she'd just done a psychology degree. Um, uh, so, well, I mean, it's, it's yeah, uh, I th- parts for actresses are, uh, are, are tricky at the best of time. It's an oversubscribed profession, but I think particularly when you get older. Um, and that's... Uh, it's it's not like doing a degree it's a come down from the acting profession it's a great achievement um but just obviously in 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 terms of when talking about doctor who things um 
uh, I, I've got a feeling they offered the part to Sarah Bedell. I think they offered the Rani to Sarah Bedell as well, because Anthony Annie once told her an anecdote about how he was supposed to be getting a companion played by Sarah Bedell, and he turned up, and it was, um, uh, you know, an amoral time vixen played by Kate O'Mara. So Nathan Turner obviously liked Sarah Bedell, who's still around, a friend of mine did cabaret with her many a few years ago um um but interesting how they yeah they tried to get her a couple of times uh, obviously because i know she was offered lady painfort too um this is quite nice this is a bit sort of citizen caney isn't it where they're they're underneath the palace looking at uh, looking at all the gubbins uh, I'm, I'm quite surprised they're still in the cafe that they appeared in screaming and nobody i suppose there's a joke there and that you go you know it's very british you you land in a tea room screaming and uh, nobody really knows anything but i think i think for that joke to land you need to really be explicit with it because otherwise you just go they've they've landed screaming in a cafe and nobody's done anything um I think that was on a trailer, wasn't it? That, uh, the th and that's a lovely bit. The this sad planet. Oh, fezes are cool. Ace has got a fez on. Um, I'm surprised there wasn't some sort of <laughs> retconning with that in the Moffat era, where you got Cla Clara in a scene with <laughs> Ace with a fez, going hello. Um, uh, so, uh, f oh, fie! She smashes the window. That's quite fun. Uh, they have fun. These two. Um, they are they are good characters she's a good she's a good you know mad woman in period costume and he is he eventually becomes a sort of likable comedy stooge gerard murphy very pleased to see him in doctor who he was a, a noted royal shakespeare company player but uh, known as shay haydoke uh, because he was the narrator wonderful narrator of the BBC radio Lord of the Rings which was uh, you know played in our house uh, when it was repeated on Saturday mornings and uh, oh what a cast Ian Holm John Le Mesure, uh William Nye as he was called then as Sam uh, Peter Woodthorpe as Gollum um, and lots of Doctor Who people popped up Jack May as Theodin I think and Donald G pops up, Patrick Barr pops up in it, uh, David Collings as Legolas, oh, um, Michael Graham Cox, who should have done a Doctor Who, as Boromir, um, wonderful, wonderful stuff. My brother was very into Tolkien, so it was sort of, you know, and it, and it, and it had excellent music, so it was, it, 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 it was, it was quite, you know, it was quite well thought of in our house. It was nice to have that coming out of Radio 4 on a Saturday morning. Um, why am I talking about that? Um, oh, Gerard Murphy, yes. Whose dressing room I then was able to use once when I was on tour with Mossack, my Doctor Who scarf, and he was at whichever theatre I was in. Uh, they had a play with him and Christopher Ryan in, and um, I used his dressing room. Uh, you, they they do that sometimes. They put you in, they 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 put you in the dressing room of you know one of the other productions. I was in Robert Vaughan's dressing room at the West End uh, when I was uh, when I did uh, Moths and my other show stepson as a as a as a double bill at the garrick theater um anyway um uh but i never had the pleasure of meeting gerard murphy although he worked at the exchange up the road here he was the chorus in henry v 
um, but died quite young. He's the villain in Waterworld. I mean, he had a he had a good career, um, but died of of cancer. You know, r- relatively young. Uh, which is a shame because he was one of those actors that was always working, and you sort of thought would always be about. Um, and I know that he enjoyed doing the Doctor Who because uh, he uh, he he did he did interviews quite quite gamely. Um, now I like. Uh, I think one of these coppers is is Mike Wingarvin, who uh, who's a, a, a regular um, extra in Doctor Who. Um, I, I like this. This this reminds me of the wonderful wheezing, groaning sound podcast who do a very naughty blood axe uh, from the Time Warrior, who doesn't quite understand what things are, and he he would have said, "What is yon fellow? Why speaks he to his hand?" Which is what Richard says about the. Uh, the policeman with the the radio, although they would then uh, get, go south of the belly button and go quite crude with it, the uh, the wheezing groaners. But that's that's partially why we love them. Um, uh, um, I I like I like having p- policemen investigating things. You know, mod- modern day because there's something about the sort of traditional copper's uniform. Uh, when juxtaposed with some crazy alien thing i i like all of that in doctor who taking you know very british whether it be a uniform whether it be a, a you know you know something like a police box or, or or a particular brand of car or whatever and 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 contrasting it with you know something weird and unusual it's it's what's it's you know it's doctor who's invasion if you like of the of the ordinary world that to me is what makes it so special contrasting our sort of humdum every everyday stuff with uh with something deadly and awful um so yeah the police the policeman now one of the policemen i seem to record that it's the one who's checking the engine he sort of collapses before the smoke hits him i always thought are they yeah this one look he goes yeah he's he's sort of i I, I I do feel this this scene could have been I don't know choreographed slightly better. I just feel the direction, I, and I I know why Chris Clough was a sort of senior director at this point because he'd done some you know some of the some some good work on the the earlier stories. But I I I do find there are some misses in the staging of quite a lot of. Uh, the key scenes in in this, or certainly felt that the last time I watched it. So I'm going to have to work hard to, as I say, accentuate the positive. Nice seeing a, 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 a man in a Busby hat. Is that what they're called? The uh, the 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 uh, you know the the Queen's Guards, um, and of course the tourists around Windsor Castle. Or it's actually Arundel Castle with a stock shot of Windsor, isn't it? But let's not get into that. Uh, include some Doctor Who types like Nicholas Courtney and uh, Andrew Morgan and Fiona Cumming and uh, I think that's rather fun but we don't actually see them so you don't know um, obviously that's quite difficult to, to to judge as you don't have a whacking great close-up of them because then it's too indulgent but um, we could have done with a glimpse uh, and, and and I remember John Nathan Turner saying that um, Jeanette Charles, who's who's the Queen um, double, really. She's the one in the Naked Gun film. <laughs> uh, 
uh, and various other bits and bobs was not used. This is a lady called Mary Reynolds. Um, uh, um, uh, yeah, do we like this? I don't know. <laughs> I, quite, I quite like uh, Sophie Aldred pulling Syl Sylvester uh, <laughs> back behind the thing. But uh, uh, um, the what seems, again, is slightly oddly placed, the way, the sound of it. Um, these two are fun. Um, Richard, Richard is a great character. And this is very good. Oh, yes, they had this uh, in the trailer, that nameless doctor whose power is so secret. She uh, she knows exactly how to play this, I think, Fiona Walker. She's she's doing a really good job. Um, and uh, if if you're to have a sort of character from ye olde Daisy, you want a real ye olde Daisy. You uh, you need to get a premier Shakespearean actor, and that's exactly what they did by getting Gerard Murphy, who who had been doing some some great work at the Royal Shakespeare Company. He also played Mosca to the Volponi of Bernard Horsfall in the, the Birmingham. Uh, was it the Birmingham Alexandra friend of mine went to see it and showed me a programme uh, which revealed to me that an actor from Quatermass called Desmond Jordan was still knocking about as well and I meant to write to him and then didn't and now he's dead uh, well now all three of those gentlemen are dead but you know that production was probably 30 years ago but it, it was nice that, at the time it was nice that those actors from older stuff were were, were working in, in, in terms of Murphy and uh, Horseful playing the you know the lead roles. Valponi is a marvelous play. I played Valponi at university, um, but let's not get into that right now. Oh yes, this is the the quickest pulse taking in the world. I mean, oh my God, he must have magic fingers. That uh, that Nazi pulse taker. Oh, now here's a thing I haven't mentioned. Anton Differing's sidekick in this, Carl is played by a very rangy actor called Metin Yenal. Um, uh, and in the Radio Times, of course, the cast is there. And it's an unusual name. I'm sure it's a perfectly usual name maybe in Germany, but uh, it's, a, it's an unusual name to see on a cast list and, you know, without one knowing much about the story at all. Going, that's an unusual name. And it's also an anagram of me and Ainley, uh, and, and various other things that you could almost get an Anthony Ainley flavoured, flavoured uh, uh, um, anagram out of it, but not quite. And I spent the whole week with my friend <laughs> trying to work out. Uh, and, and then, of course, as soon as that first scene comes up and he's at the desk and comes out and goes, Head of Floor is wonderful news, you go, Oh, no, that's not even. No, that's, that's, that, that, that makeup has suddenly, and special effects have suddenly got amazing if that's actually Anthony Ainley. It's just a guy called Metin Yenal. And I seem to recall his name is misspelled Metin Yendal on the American documentary that came out around the same time. Um, but that doesn't help with the anagram either. Um, I remember my older friend Derek, who's a who's a friend of the family, but who used to watch Doctor Who. I think largely because he knew I liked talking about it. Bless him. He was very impressed that Anton Differing was in this because Anton Differing was, of course, famous. And he was one of those actors that when it was announced he was going to be in Doctor Who, I sort of nodded and went, "Oh yes, Anton Differing. Yes, very. Oh yes, yes, yes." Um, but I didn't really know who he was. And then, 
I realised who he was from. I, I saw pictures of him as a younger man. I went, oh yeah, I've definitely I've seen him in Nazi films, but I didn't, you know, playing Nazi in war films and it got some really damn good films. Actually, he uh, had an excellent career and I think uh, was an interesting man. But uh, uh, <laughs> he didn't. I don't think. He, well, we know he didn't like Doctor Who much, did he? Silly Doctor Who. I've just come to to watch Wimbledon. Um, but I, uh, but I think it's. I, th- I, th- I think if you're going for an elderly Nazi, I know they asked Charles Gray, didn't they? And he said he'd do it if he didn't have to do a German accent. Um, but I, I think it's uh, it's a good call to have differing, even though he's 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 clearly he, I think he's struggling a bit bit through this. Um, I'd never quite buy aces. They saved my life. No, basically they landed. They didn't go. Hang on, aces about to be killed by the Germans. Let's get in the way. It's just they just basically parked nearby, and the Nazis went, "Oh hello, that's not that doesn't count as saving your life." And she she sort of wangs on about it next week as well. You know, oh, don't really buy that. Uh, so Anton Differing, there we go, and Fiona Walker. Um, well, that sort of rattled along because we we missed the scene, didn't we, with the security guards? Poor old Martin Reed, uh, who's done various bits and bobs. Um, uh, he uh, he had a whole scene where the, the you know the, I think they they got hypnotised, didn't they? But uh, instead, it just looks like the doctors run away from security, uh, and it's it's one of those frustrating things where you go, well, they've obviously had to do that for time, but it, you then spend the rest of the episode going. So what? They just they just walked away from security, really. Um, so there's quite a lot going on. Oh, Ian Dow, he loved working with Sophie and Sylvester. He told me um, at lunch with him in in Leicester Square. And Dorka, oh gosh, and she's no longer with us. Nor's Ian. Um, goodness me. So that is the end of episode one of Silver Nemesis. Um, I have to say I enjoyed watching it and talking through it. I'm so sorry. Much more than I just enjoyed just watching it last time I watched it. Um, there's a lot vying for company. There's a lot vying for one's attention. I am going to choose, excuse me, as my favourite thing, um, the the not trumpeted enough and rather jolly appearance, even though he gets the meaning of decaying wrong, the performance of lovely Leslie French uh, in um, as as the astrologer, because one, it's a lovely performance, but two, it's a very clever piece of casting because he's playing a batty man of science, and twenty five years earlier he could have been playing the batty man of science, a doctor you know who. Um, and so on the 25th anniversary, I thought that was uh, a, a smart and enjoyable piece of casting. What's Gavin's favourite thing? So will he choose Leslie French, who is Ariel outside Broadcasting House in that sc- uh, sculpture done by Eric Gill? So what's so great about Silver Nemesis episode one? Uh, quite a bit, I think. Um, it's exciting and intriguing and mysterious and there's all kinds of villains coming from all different directions. There's a joke I really like and that's when Lady Painfort nips forward through time and her front room is now a cafe. And I think that's great uh, because it's fun and it's funny. Um, 
but it's also quite interesting because it's a form of sort of mundane time travel that Doctor Who doesn't normally do. You don't normally get to see uh, a comparison of past and future. Normally, uh, time travel is much more convoluted and uh, consequential in the story. And um, she is able to do that thing that we all do when we look at old photos and go, oh, wow, it used to be like this, but she's doing it in reverse. I mean, they're having afternoon tea and they just sort of tap each other on the shoulder and go, goodness me, Phyllis, a woman's just appeared there past the creek. But I think that sort of understated Britishness is another uh, little uh, aspect of comedy. So that's my pick. Time hopping Lady Painfort cafe joke. Ah, oh, I could see this is going to be interesting because that's one of my least favourite bits because I don't think it works because I don't think the joke works. Um, <laughs> so this is this. so um, I've got to find the joy in a story chosen that I've previously struggled with um, I've also got to get points by choosing the best things about it but the person who has set me the tale seems to like the very things that I don't he is the yin to my yang uh so it would be interesting to see how well we do in the if he chooses the skinheads next week. <laughs> uh, this is going to be the biggest disaster in the whole of the history of happy times and places, which is supposed to be celebrating in its run of uh, you know the the fifties. We had uh, we had the five doctors for fifty. We had. Uh, the return of Doctor Mysterio, but with uh, a lovely special link up with some kids from America uh, at an American school for 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 fifty one. So um, for fifty two, we're doing Silver Nemesis. I'm trying to make the the fifties all all rather special. So obviously, we're doing you know another anniversary story, but this could be special because it ends up being the, the one where. Um, uh, my special guest and I turn out to have nothing in common whatsoever. Oh, well, what fun. Um, that rattled along. Uh, as I say, I, th I think, I think, yeah, the direction struggles in, in places. Um, hard to do because it's all on, you know, VT outside, uh, which, which are, you know, uh, that's, that's much, you've got much less control over everything. I mean, the lighting, just lighting that stuff is really hard. So, uh, you know, I can, I can understand why, why some bits don't, don't quite pull off. Um, the cyber spaceship landing's pretty good. The Cybermen are very shiny. They look, uh, they look, they look pretty good. Um, I, I, as I say, I like the fact it's got, got Nazis that felt that, those felt like grown up and special villains lady painfort seems to have some kind of tie with the doctor's past so that helps to make the story feel special so yeah i th i think all of that seems seems you know pretty hopeful for the rest of the story just yeah find the tone and and and, and perhaps some of the execution uh makes me is a yeah it, makes it a little bit of a struggle in places um particularly that place that i didn't like that gavin did so yeah well tune in next week to hear gavin say i love those skinheads they're the best thing in doctor whoever but but until then um i'm going to go and save somebody's life by um by by pulling into a lay-by near where they're being threatened by some nazis 
Ta-ta. Well, thanks ever so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest is Gav Rymill, who can be found on Twitter at The Mind Robber, but also his brilliant research project at Dalek6388. So he's got two Twitter options there. I'm grateful to him and to the patrons who make these podcasts possible, and they include Ruben Herfindahl, Stephen Moffat, not that one, Peter Burns, Chris Phone, Peter Harness, that one, Ronald Hayden, Rob Leonard, Christopher Meredith, Richard Straw, Neil Tate, Nick Tedston, Tim Arding, David, Nigel Bromley, Jenny at Blue Box 99, Paul Carrington, Paul Cook, Richard Chalk, Peter Crocker, Rob Dawson, John Deere, Chris Dunford-Kelk, Paul Dunn, Jason Gorman, Siobhan Galichon, Chris Iam, Ian Key and Joe Llewellyn. The music was by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. Oh, well, there we go. Uh, if you would like to join that illustrious list of names, you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock for as little as £3 a month. That gets you bonus material, uh, exclusive stuff, access, uh, pictures of my dog, um, and advance releases. They are far further ahead than you if you're just listening to this on uh, iTunes when the episodes come out there. Um, the the patronage, uh, as well as uh, enabling me to, you know, put proper time into this and edit them properly and hopefully, you know, record them properly so that they sound good and professional and easy on the ears, um, they also do help to keep these ad-free. Well, to be honest, I mean, they'd be ad-free anyway, but they justify me making them ad-free uh, because obviously that would be a source of revenue to spend the time doing these properly but um, I I don't like I, you know it'd be awful if I had to break off halfway through going oh I mean I, I do listen to uh, I do listen to uh, other podcasts so this is quite a lot of political podcasts suddenly break off and the people go uh, are you tired of being cancelled? Why not have Hello Fresh or what? What? Whatever. Um, I think that is a one, isn't it? A Hello. I'm, I'm accidentally advertising. Um, um, but <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to do any of that. So um, yeah, please become a patron. If you can't, you can go to Kofi.com forward slash Toby Haydock at any juncture and just uh, throw me a couple of quid when you fancy it. If you don't want to do the monthly commitment, that is Patreon. But the patrons do get uh, three releases per week. It's uh, £3 a month is the lowest tier, or the most stuff is available from the lowest tier. I had a big meeting with a couple of people, friends of mine, um, uh, who you know, said, well, we can help you um, you know, uh, improve your Patreon. Uh, and it was like, yeah, do advertising, um, uh, push Patreon a lot, uh, um, uh, withhold stuff so that you get people paying for the higher tiers and it was just all stuff that went yeah i thought about all of those things and i just decided not to so had this lovely big meeting and i've decided not to do any of it um which i suppose means that i was my instincts were correct for just what i want to do i guess that's that's the thing about this strange landscape we all we have now you can you can you, you can mold your view to be exactly uh exactly what you want and just hope that other people want to look through your telescope that's a terrible metaphor but there we go Anyway, to be a patron, if you cannot be a patron, or, oh God, this is just supposed to be a pithy plug. This isn't, this isn't the post-credits ramble. Well, it is now. Um, look, if you can't do the patron or the uh, Kofi, 
What costs you nothing is to go to iTunes or Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts and to give this a five-star review and perhaps some words of encouragement and positivity that will draw other people uh, like moths to this podcast flame. Uh, and uh, I would be very grateful. Yeah, just spreading the word, tweeting nice tweets, taking to social media. And if you live in America or Canada or Australia or anywhere outside of the UK where uh, I don't have anything like the amount of uh, percentage of viewers as a, a you know the the, the the vast majority are UK listeners, I'd like to I'd like to take over the world. Uh, so uh, uh, you know, if if you are a listener there, please recommend this to your friends. But mostly, thanks for listening. I am very grateful and if you like what i sound like you can uh, listen to me doing stand-up comedy well you can watch me actually uh, live every tuesday night at excess monarchy comedy club in manchester or online we do a monthly uh, iteration of that on twitch.tv forward slash excess malarkey um but there's an archive up there of the shows we did over the pandemic uh, which we, we kept going all through the plague and we paid four comics. So we, we made our contribution to the arts as well. We paid four working comics every uh, week, uh, every Tuesday during the pandemic and brought comedy from around the world all together to uh, do what we could. And there's an archive of that stuff. So that's twitch.tv forward slash excess malarkey. Check X at excess malarkey on Twitter and go to the excess malarkey website. It's an X and S and then Malarkey, M-A-L-A-R-K-E-Y. Uh, find Excess Malarkey and our listings and you'll see the sort of quality comics that we have. It's good fun. Uh, well, I think I've already done plenty of waffles, so... Uh, this post-credits waffle will be mercifully brief. I'm going to go and I'm so tired, uh, but I've got this one in the can because I'm, I'm doing this little bit of recording now at, uh, oh, at two minutes to one in the morning because I've just had to do a pickup, a uh, little bit of linking commentary for a Doctor Who Blu-ray documentary that this will hopefully be the last bit we've done for it. And it's very nice. And I don't think you'll be seeing it till the end of the year but it's a nice it's a nice little documentary and we just had to yeah i just had to um bridge a sort of edit and, and slightly change a piece of uh narration so i've just popped that in and i'll send that over to chris chapman and uh hopefully then we can put that one to bed and i will put myself to bed but probably not until after i've done a bit of my guilty pleasure um i'm uh, when when i want to switch my brain off a little bit i'm watching an american series called power um that uh the man the the the, the man who um told me what to do in the gym him and his mates always w watched it and talked about it so i thought oh, i'll dip in and see what that's about oh, it's fairly disposable there's some uh it's uh it's a bit clunky in places but uh you know it's uh the plot keeps you interested the characters keep you interested there's the performances veer from the very good to the sh shockingly um <laughs> well yeah, I mean, it's just it's just nice that somehow performance wayward performances aren't necessarily confined to the universe of Doctor Who in the olden days, shall we say? Uh, but anyway, so I'm going to go and uh, uh, do a bit of that. Um, uh, but thanks for being there. And uh, yeah, I'm just tired. So I mean, I'll stutter more than I usually do. Um, bye. <laughs> <laughs>